For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 117. I'm your host Greg Troxell and today we are going to talk about fun things surrounding Newcastle United and to do that I'm bringing the best damn coast in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yes, I'm super excited because we are, are recording this on a night where Newcastle have made history, Greg. Yes, they have. They have. What is the history, by the way? I'm just curious. Um, Newcastle are now the first team um, in the. This is the first Newcastle team in the Mike Ashley era there. to have Paradise. given me five heart attacks within one match. <laughs> Uh, no, but seriously, we made it to the fifth round of the FA Cup, so uh, shout out to us. Yeah, really, really cool deal. So we've dedicated an entire podcast just to talk about not that. Yeah, I mean, that podcast, talking about that, comes out Friday. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you will get an Oxford recap, and that will be out on Friday for you to listen to. That way, you're going to a weekend without a match, listening to the glories of a 3-2 to two win. Um, but for this one, we have a lot of new things to talk about. So these midweek ones are going to be our actual episodes. So when we're not talking about previews and recaps and all that stuff, we're going to do our midweek, this midweek podcast to go over all the news surrounding Newcastle and like do a couple deep dives into things and, and just kind of get our takes from one side or the other. It should be a lot of fun and very open-ended. Um, so Elijah and I have picked like, two of like the biggest topics that people are talking about and we're just going to kind of break it down yeah That's... break it down break it down right to... yeah all right that was a there will be a select few people that get that reference <laughs> uh so starting with news we'll, we'll yeah just, we'll get right into it here is we're wrapping up just wrapping up the transfer window we the last time we did this podcast was january 28th so there's still a couple days to go um, in in the news segment of it. So obviously the incomings, we had three loan deals in Danny Rose, Valentino Lazaro, and Nabil Bentaleb. And the outgoings were Ki Sung Young, and we had Rolando Ahrens and Kellen Watts leave the club. Um, Key was released, and then Rolando Ahrens went to Motherwell, and Kellen Watts went to Mansfield Town. So, Elijah, why don't you start here and give us your thoughts on, on all of that? Um, the, the key leaving thing, 
it's unfortunate, but the writing was on the wall. I mean, it was going to be tough to move him. He's a uh, well, he's 31 years old. Um, honestly, I wish the best for him. It seems like he had a good time here. Uh, he had one last go around in the Premier League, got to see some success. I think this might be one of the most successful teams he's been on in the Premier League um, with last season's team. Uh, they we finished in tenth last year, right? Yeah, we definitely did, and he was on that team. Um, so yeah, I mean, just he had a good run with us. Uh, he had some moments, I guess. He were some memorable moments. He was a solid depth piece. Um, but I mean, writing was on the wall. We have two young midfielders that are essentially at a minimum, kind of at the level of of key in his production. And uh, we've brought in Bentaleb and other midfielders like Hayden have have made leaps and bounds since his arrival. So, uh, yeah, it was sucks to see him leave. Uh, seeing Rolando Aarons go back on loan, go out on loan, I mean, it's it's good that their team's interested in him um, still. And Kellen Watts, I mean, obviously you always want your young guys to, to get as much experience as they possibly can. There's just not a spot for him in this current first team um, at the moment. Yeah, it's it's you definitely want to see Newcastle get – money for players when they leave but yeah i don't I, I agree with you i don't see who's really offering a lot of money where it's worthwhile while to get the interest going and it and you needed to get rid of somebody or make a move pretty quickly because you need danny rose to play yes. <laughs> so they had to get rid of somebody quickly and there just wasn't enough time to turn players around so it was i guess i'm sure key kind of appreciates too he gets to go home and kind of figure things yeah. out before restarting again um yeah i mean that's that's huge that i wrote that in my piece on this is like it i think it's gonna also be good because he's retired from international football he can go back home to south korea play in south korean league for maybe two three more years and just have a nice little calm into his career he's made a lot of money has played in the premier league has been a part of some really cool teams i mean yeah just good for key yeah shout out to him yeah uh, what about Rolando going to Motherwell? He still has not I <laughs> played I don't, yet. He yeah, had one chance, but he wasn't on the team. I mean, I don't care. Yeah, that's kind of how everyone, I think, felt. And then... Yeah, it, it was so bad. I didn't even realize we had loaned him out. And then I saw it, like, way after the window had closed. <laughs> and I didn't even feel like I needed to write an article on it. Yeah. So. And then uh, Kellen Watts going to Mansfield Town. We did talk about this last time. Um, we just kind of said it was odd that that was the choice, but I'm sure he'll do well. Um, but just mention that here. Anything Anything you want to add to the the transfer window talk before we get into the No, I'll, I will say this. I'm drinking an Arnold Palmer from Chick-fil-A. They went a little too heavy on the lemonade, so it's pretty tart. So, just if anyone is wondering. Okay. Yeah. Their lemonade I know it was, it does was, have healing it was on the questions. Yeah. It was, on, it was on everyone's mind, so yeah, just had to let the people know, Greg. Thanks for letting them know. So, we'll, we'll dive into the first main topic of this evening, Elijah, and that is this takeover and what's going on oh. with it. Yeah. So the first thing we'll get to is under your idea, and I can chime in too, is there any updates at all 
to the takeover? What what do you know is happening right now for Newcastle? That's a good question. Um, I feel like what I do know is there's even more uncertainty. So the, what we what we were kind of hearing is that the talks have cooled down, um, which you know take that as you may. Uh, I I think Mark Douglas might have said this earlier in the year is that the reason that is Mark Douglas or maybe it was Chris Wall. Some journalist that I respect said one of the reasons you see takeover talks in not just in Newcastle, but just in general, um, flare up during transfer windows is that there's the potential that you can come in and make an immediate impact, immediate investment. This is definitely on pot on time. Um, and so I think that's part of it is that obviously the talks are going to go a little silent um, since then. Uh, and so that's kind of what I'm seeing. The, the window ended. Talks are going to simmer down. The There's still a lot of fans who are like, uh, when are they going to announce it in the next 48 hours? Like, still on that boat, and that was always an unrealistic expectation. But, um, yeah, I'm not that surprised. I'm not saying that the... I think there's still genuine interest, but it's still always, like it always does, comes down to one man. Yep, it really does. I, I think it is crazy how we may have gotten completely played again, and they're just coming up with new ways to excite us, but, like, it's amazing how much it was being talked about. And then as soon as the takeover ended, nothing. And no one has any updates. Or the transfer window. Yeah. yeah uh, and and there's there's an element of like... It, it... I don't know if I would say make up. Because, I mean, if it's, if it's made up, it's a hell of an acting job by Amanda Stavely. Who is like been very critical of, of of the process with Mike Ashley and um, in, in her first it did a tell-all there seemed like the, the people who interviewed her felt like her her interest was genuine produced documentation of all the bids she gave. so I think there was interest from her and then like it'd be really bold like for and that's this is the the this is kind of when I got over the Keith Bishop uh, PR agency ploy that that goes around it would be so bold to to make up an out al- like an allegation that the, the the prince of a country was interested in your team on such a public scale and then to leak it to the wall street journal a, a a newspaper that is one of the most reputable and unbiased newspapers in the states that doesn't even cover newcastle and would only cover large-scale global financial transactions like i don't know the sale of a club it seems like it's too much to be made up do yeah. I think there could be an element of Mike Ashley knowing that this this like this could drive season ticket orders and stringing bidders along? Yes. Do I also think Mike Ashley might just genuinely be, be, be genuinely be uncertain about whether or not he wants to sell the club and whether these are the right people to sell this to? Yes. Did I also ever believe that the takeover would happen within the week that that it was announced. I mean, we literally talked about this for a week, and people, for some reason, thought it was going to happen that week. I never believed that in the first place. So I think the the timing of it all is obviously strange, but it kind of makes sense for a rumor that appeared, you know, the week before. And I don't know if we've been duped again, because it's just really tough to justify all of this being made up. But I mean, I guess if we're being duped, it's by Mike Ashley and, and him just declaring that he's still interested in selling the team. Yeah, uh, it 
what about let's let's talk about like this stuff getting leaked and mm-hmm. the pressure that it puts on Mike Ashley. So I know it's it's hard to believe that that's a real thing, but it does. I I still have a hard time figuring out why this would hinder an offer, but I do agree that leaking this information puts a lot of pressure on on getting the, the deal done. And maybe it is something that Mike Ashley's really disturbed about and is wanting to like he just he just can't. Like maybe he makes more demands when it gets leaked or like it doesn't trust them anymore. Or doesn't trust that the bid's real. So he backs off. Like, what do you think is going on when something like this gets leaked? I think there's an element of Mike Ashley wants to do things on his own terms. And you hear this a lot from journalists, but you're always like, what does that mean? And I think in this situation, it means if there's public pressure for him to sell the club, I don't think he wants to sell the club because it's going to look like he succumbed to the fans demands eventually like that is what this is all about he's kind of admitted to that but if if there's public pressure and people tweeting at like being excited that Mike Ashley can sell the club and tweeting at the Newcastle account to like announce the Arabs I think that definitely deters him from from rushing to get a deal done now I mean with this amount of money at play it's a bold strategy to let your own pride get away get in the way of you chasing a bag um, but like you said, I mean, there's definitely a level of distrust that he probably has. But from every, from all accounts that I've read so far, it seems like the Saudi people were pissed that the deal was leaked as well. So I don't know who leaked it. I mean, there's a lot of parties involved with this. Um, there's a lot of names being thrown around as to who is involved in this. Any one of those people could have leaked it. I don't know if this is really a negotiation tactic. And I think it's not this time. I think the first time when Amanda Stavely um, had, had the, the deal was leaked, the Stavely deal was leaked. I think it was a bit of a negotiation tactic to push Mike Ashley to make a decision. But in this situation, I don't think it is because Stavely knows that he doesn't like it. Um, so I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting thing, but I think that the information being leaked is is really a, a big shot to Mike Ashley's pride. I don't think he wants to sell the club under public pressure. Um, if he wants the club sold, it'll be, you know, quiet and secret and you know just it'll be done and i think if he if he's really interested in selling the club it'll happen i don't know i'm not gonna say soon but it will happen swiftly and like that i don't know yeah (laughs) i i'm i guess i'm just gonna have to continue to see i i got brought out on this one i'm i'm not gonna lie uh, I was going strong with the stance of if we've heard about it, it's not going to happen. But then with all the reports, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's about to happen. And now we're just now we're just back here again talking about this. So I'm going to go back that we've heard about it. So this deal is done. That I'm, I'm just going to – I have no, no reason to believe anything different, but that's just – that's just how, well, that's just what I'm going to go with now, Elijah. <laughs> I will say this: deal's done. Um, we, we've seen actually since <laughs> since since this uh, since the takeover rumors have started, we've actually seen multiple takeovers happen in British football. Um, I guess I mean Sunderland was bought. Um, there was one team was saved from like being bought. I mean, there's been other clubs that have been sold. Not none as big as Newcastle, obviously. Um, 
But I do, it's starting to lose, in my opinion, it's starting to lose the whole notion of if we've heard of it, it's not going to happen. Um, I think there's an element of that that's true, but I also, just with how much access we have to people and technology, I would be shocked. I mean, like, everyone talks about the Man City deal. Yes, we get that, but that was something that was done years ago, and it was still leaked about a month before it happened. So it's it's everyone's like it'll be quiet like the Man City deal and yes the Man City deal was somewhat quiet but it was still leaked beforehand and there was not as large of an access to technology and people that we have today like I don't know it just feels like more and more things are leaked all the time here and you can see it even with like transfer deals and stuff are, are being leaked much much on a more frequent basis than they were in the past like it, it's it's something that. I don't know. I'm not putting a, a ton of stock into it. I agree with it to some degree. I still think the interest is there. I think that um, a lot of the reporting that happened was a lot of people. I don't know if there was a lot of people who were on the same page. I think there were a lot of people who were touching it. And I think a lot of people were just saying things. And I think the reporting was a lot of repeating of the same thing. I don't think people found out a ton of new information pertinent to the actual negotiations i think yes there was some new information revealed about mike ashley's negotiation techniques and the fact that he wants like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deposit before due diligence like that's not new information as it regards to the deal itself that's new information as regards to ashley's process and selling the team and additionally there was a lot of information that was leaked that was just not true that people were just pulling out of their butts so i think there was a heavy amount of reporting. I don't know if there was a lot of information that was actually leaked because at the end of the day, all we know is that there's an interested club, uh, there's an interested party, and that they're really rich and that they've submitted an offer. Yeah, that's that's if you look at the bare bones, that's really all we know. No one knows about it. are they in due diligence? Are they going through their fit, fit and proper checks? And that none of that's happened, so I don't really think there's been that much information revealed about this deal. So I do think that the deal is not completely off. I think there's still negotiations to be had, and hopefully what's going on is that it's gone silent because both parties, that's the other thing, is both parties seem to not want leaks to happen. So, yeah, it makes sense that we've gone silent. I mean, if both parties are super serious about leaks not getting out, then yes. I'm not surprised it's gone silent. Again, don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. If anything, I'm thinking maybe the summer because like like it's been said before, most of these deals, they finish up, they're completed right before a, an owner can make immediate investment. And immediate investment usually means bring in transfers. So I would guess summer. I think it's it's cooled off for now, but don't be surprised if these resurface in late March, early April. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm hoping that definitely happens. It's just it's hard it's hard to talk about things like this because there's a lack of information surrounding it, and there's mm -hmm. a lack of knowledge, like of truth surrounding it. We don't know what anyone knows, and and we we unless we're sitting at the table, we don't know if it's true or not. Um, so yeah. let's let's move on now. Uh, but well, we're gonna take a break and then move on and get into some Newcastle United play style talks, which is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, so we'll do that right after this break. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. 
All right. So one of the biggest topics for Newcastle in this past, well, really since the start of the season, I guess, is what is Newcastle? What's the best formation for Newcastle? A lot of mm-hmm. people want four at the back. We've been playing well with five at the back, five four one being our best formation easily. Um, and now there's been a lot of talk because of the lack of production from Jolinton and other, and all, really all of our attacking players from a goals standpoint. Uh, is this really the five four one or whatever you want to call this formation? Uh, is it the best formation, and should we switch from it? So I will. I'll start with that. Just get your initial thoughts, and then we'll dive deeper in a little bit. Is the five for one our best formation? Yes. Yes. Um, I think that's it's it's without a doubt. Um, like all the numbers support it, even though the numbers aren't great, it supports it as being our best formation. Should we switch from it to a different formation? My personal, and I've kind of been adamant about this for I mean at least the last few weeks when this when this has been a topic I, it's too late in the season to really do anything and I don't envision us changing any sort of formation until we've secured safety I could see Bruce messing around with the lineup um, yeah I, I could think, see us scoring 40 points getting 40 points and then just saying like alright let's 4-4-2 four, four, it see what happens yeah I mean uh, it would like Realistically, like you have to. I mean, there, there. I'll say this about Steve Bruce. I think there is an element of me that that understands that part of like he was one. He walked into a team. He inherited a team, not his team. That every manager goes through that. I I get it. Um, also, he didn't have a full preseason. Can't really instill your system, your values, built. You know, with with, with you know. Um, with half of a preseason, essentially. yeah, Didn't have the opportunity to build rapport with the players and really change his formation, all that kind of stuff. Um, even when you look at Rafa Benitez coming in, uh, also we're talking leaps and bounds, different, like, world-class manager, still had to establish that relationship with the team in order to then change us from that five in the back, from that four two three one to a five in the back formation. Again, so I, I give Steve Bruce, there's a lot of things that, you know, he couldn't control that could contribute to like him us not playing the attacking style football that he wants. On the other hand, though, is that we have seen managers change formation midseason with success, and there's an element of I think there's an element of timidness from Steve Bruce to do so because one, when we've done it um, without real tactical preparation, it it hasn't gone well. Um, when we've tried to pull out four in the backs after just working on it in training for a couple mat for a couple for a couple days hasn't gone well. Um, so there's a way to integrate new formations in, in, into into the in into a team, and I don't think Steve Bruce has mastered that yet. And then there's still an element of like the numbers don't support Newcastle being a great team, but also like Steve Bruce, like some of the decisions he makes. It kind of leads me to believe, like, I don't really know if Steve Bruce is capable of getting the best out of these players and playing the attacking style he wants. Um, I just, I, I, there's not a lot of faith that he's kind of given me that he's going to be able to be, be the guy to do that. Can, can I, like, I think there's a lot of onus, like, yeah, we don't have the right players for attacking formation, blah, blah, blah. You can say that, which is part, technically true, but I think if you give, um, if you give, 
like Jose Mourinho this squad, which actually is not a good example because he's a little bit defensive-minded. But if you give someone else this squad, they could figure it out. And I don't know if Steve Bruce is the guy to figure it out to make us more attacking. Yeah, it, it's. I think he's proving that he's a master motivator, not much of a tactician. It's odd to me. His like he's not. He hasn't taken the blame for anything. Like any of our attacking woes, he's not saying anything about. He's just been saying like, "Oh, you know, the lads weren't up to it today." Well, like you, you need to talk about this. <laughs> like you yeah. need to fix this. This is something you're supposed to do. And like he's kind of like when when answering questions about the formations, he's like, "Well, you know, they they really picked up this formation over a year ago, and they're so comfortable with it." So like, like this is to me, this is you saying, "Okay, I'm." Like, Rafa obviously did a really good job, so I'm just going to keep this up. So you're just riding their coattails. And then if anything goes wrong, you blame it on Rafa. And if everything goes right, you'll take the credit for it gladly. Yeah. I, I don't like that. Like, you you can even even with a half a preseason, at this point, you've had this much time, you can work on changing a formation. If you work – if you continue the 5-4-1 and work on a 4-4-2 in the meantime – by now, they're going to be comfortable with a four four two, in theory. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I don't play those excuses. Like, these are professional athletes, the best of the best, when it comes to this sport, in the world. So, like, I refuse to believe that they're incapable of playing other position. Now, it's certainly, and the stats do prove that, right now. But how much are you going to put that on the players? Which is what Steve Bruce seems to like to do. And talking about, or and or how much are you going to put that on the capability of of the coaching staff, which I think is plays a huge role in this type of situation. Um, you see, you see the difference that Rafa made in us when we were struggling in the Premier League, and he switched to a three in the back for, formation. When he's a four-two-three-one guy through and through, he switched. It wasn't working, so he made made this work, and the players adapted to it. Like that's what Steve Bruce needs to be doing here. If he doesn't think this is the best formation for them right now, then you need to change it, and you need to do a good job implementing that system. Um, there's no excuse for what the stuff that he's been saying. That's that's really my only – like, we're doing way better than expected. So I'm not knocking this season, but, like, you got to own up to some of your mistakes at some point, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah, I, I do think what you, you hit a spot on when you said he's – a really good player motivator and I think you look at Rafa and Rafa definitely is a, as a manager that a lot of players like and appreciate um but I think uh, you could also put Pep in this boat like really like him but like he's not he's not he's he's going to tell give it to you straight like he said multiple times that like we like he basically admitted that we weren't good enough to be an attacking side. We needed reinforcements. Like he basically said that a bunch of times. He called out Iose Perez for not being consistent, and like obviously it sucks. He called out Jojo Shelby a bunch. It, it, it's not great for the players to hear, but I mean it motivated certain players. I mean he he built good rapport with the players over time. Players certainly miss him, and it definitely had an effect. I mean he was. One of the reasons Iose Perez left, it was one of the reason it was one of the reasons Rondon left. I mean, like he built a good relationship with a lot of players, and Steve Bruce has has a great relationship with all the players. But I think there is a middle ground of like what Newcastle kind of need is someone who is tactically savvy 
but also has a good relationship and good rapport with players. Not saying Rafa doesn't have that, but I think he's definitely one of the more strict managers, um, just given how people who have played for them, they appreciate him, but they don't talk about how funny and charismatic he is. They talk about how smart and how much of a football genius he is. And, like, you know, Jurgen Klopp's a perfect example of, like, he's a fun guy who's a tactician. He's a rare breed of manager, though, so it is very tough. But, I mean, if you could get someone in that middle ground that you think could push, you know, Newcastle forward, but, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of tactics, but also is still a, 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 a coach that players want to play for. Um, I mean, Greg, is there any way Steve Bruce gets fired? No. Yeah. I mean, like I this year? I mean, okay, next summer, Newcastle. Say Newcastle finish mid-table. Let's call it 13th. Like at the end of the season? At the end of the season, Newcastle in 13th. Um, Newcastle in 13th. Now, I think if we have a different owner, you look at you look at the stats, you look at the expected goals, you look at the play style, you look at um, the general feel of the fans, maybe the media, and you're like, you consider Steve Bruce, given that there's other people interested in Newcastle. If we're being honest, at this point, you're looking at Newcastle, and if if Mike Ash is still in charge, yes, it's not great, but there's definitely promise in the team sheet. Like, there's Miguel Amaron, there's Alan St. Maximin, Joel Linton, I don't know, we'll see. But technically speaking, there's investment that was made, there's promise, Say Pochettino's interested. I'm throwing out a random name. I know he's available. Mike Ashley, do you think he would fire Steve Bruce or Pochettino? No. Okay. Yeah, Steve yeah. Bruce is the cheapest manager in the Premier League. It's true. He he's not going to pay for Poch. Now, if the club is sold, now this is a very, I know we're, uh, the club is sold, there was obviously that fake rumor going around about Rafa. Um, like, and the guys at the Athletics shut it down, and somehow people still think that he's going to come here, um, that he could potentially be back in the folds for a managerial position at Newcastle under the guise of a new of new ownership. I don't think that's going to happen, but if new ownership comes in, Newcastle are in 13th again, Steve Bruce is the manager. Is Steve Bruce still the manager? No. Okay. He's fired, is what you're saying. Like, yeah. He's fired, we move on, we get a different manager. Yeah, it's like a GM. GM needs their guy, their coach. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I mean, it did happen. I mean, Wolves, they... they Well, actually, I think the Wolves, they hired a guy to pretty much help get out the championship, then they fired him and got their new guy, who also great. That's another guy who's a good blend of tactics and, uh, and like, player... Did you morale. see him talking into... Uh, Woodsy's mic, headset mic after their match, their last match. No. Oh my god, it was so funny. Um, no. La- was it Laura Woods that reported mm-hmm. Lauren Woods? Woods? I can't remember. Sure. She she's like very well known, and she's a football reporter in England. And she was trying to interview him, and the mic that she gave him didn't work. So he leaned into her headset mic and just did the whole interview there, and they were like dying laughing. It was really cool. 
Um, it was like a it was a cool moment by him. Just as, like he yeah. just still did the full interview, and they were like directly face to face to each other, talking into the same headset mic. It was really good. Um, cool. So a question that was brought up to us. This is by Graham Bell. Uh, so this is sneaking a little bit away from the the formation talk. But the question is, let me just pull it up. I'm delaying a little bit. Um, oh, while Greg's delaying, big, big Woj bomb for uh, all my NBA fans, of which there's tons that listen to this podcast. ESPN sources, four-team trade agreement. Houston gets Robert Covington. Atlanta gets Clint Capella and Nene. Minnesota gets Malik Beasley. Wancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, ATL first round pick via Nets, and Denver gets Gerald Green and a Houston FRP. What is FRP? First round pick. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so, so the question is, yeah. mm-hmm. um, at what point do we stop saying Newcastle are in a false position in the league? The football isn't attractive at all, but it's getting results consistently. Um, I mean, I've I've never really held the point that Newcastle are in a false position at in the league, um, because you can see the effort the guys put into the match. I mean, like uh, they they give their hundred percent, and I think that is rewarded. And there are some things that like you know you just can't account for. And yes, like we have been in, in incredibly lucky to a degree. Um, you could say astronomically lucky to a degree, but like given the players that we have. Um, the talent on the pitch and how hard these guys work. We're not a side that should be relegated. So I, I think that there's I, I've given I've given them credit. Do I agree with how we've gotten to this point? Not necessarily, but I mean I don't think that I'm saying it's like completely luck. And there, there's there's definitely a little bit of luck, but I do think that like just talent wise. We don't deserve to be in the bottom three. So we aren't in the bottom three. And, I mean, credit to Steve Bruce for um, navigating us out of that that realm. I, I think everyone thought we were going to be relegated as soon as we hired Steve Bruce. Literally everyone. Yeah, I think I, I think what a lot of people fail to realize, yeah, the attacking – you you the, the criticism on the attacking play for Newcastle is extremely warranted. But what people are overlooking is – how freaking good our defense is mm-hmm. to go. I mean, look, right now they're on an eight match unbeaten run. Four of those have been against a league one side. So let's just discount that. So it's a four match Premier League unbeaten run. And if you looked at how we've played since those four matches, it's not good. But that defense is incredible. And that that mm-hmm. needs to be brought up. Like, yeah. the, our defense is one of the best in the Premier League. I'm not joking yep. when I say that. So, like, since since January 1st, um, since that loss to Leicester, in the Premier League, we went to Wolves, drew 1-1. We beat Chelsea 1-0 at home. Uh, 2-2 draw away to Everton. And then a 0-0 draw at home to Norwich. That's been our yeah. our 2020 Premier League spouts. And that's, that's good. Like, the sides that we've played... Um, three of them top half and then one team at the bottom. Uh, and to give up a total of three goals in those four games against those teams, that's really good. Yeah. And that would, that's what should be highlighted, in my opinion, is how good I think this I would, defense is. Yeah, I think I would add to that. I think 
especially this season, it has been hard for teams to be both good on defense and offense. Um, the the best. Oh, I defensive thought you were about to say my second point, but you're you're doing a new one. This is good. Yeah, I think that the best teams in this league, um, you know, uh, Liverpool, um, Man City, I would say definitely a class above the rest. Even though Man City's a bit of down year, um, but like those are kind of the only teams that that still like like Newcastle rarely give up more than two or two goals in a match. And you can look at every other team in the Premier League that you want to play like Chelsea, Arsenal, Wolves, even Sheffield. There's plenty of matches where they're winning 3-2. They've got 2-2 draws. I mean, they're giving up, you know, two goals to inferior opponents. And, yes, they have the attacking prowess and the system to get out of that. But like Greg said, we're so good defensively, we never put ourselves in that position. And it's unfortunate and it's not attractive, but, like... I think it is. It's really difficult to have both in the Premier League, um, especially when like the the attacking talent like like gap is so large with between so many teams. Um, you look at a team like Burnley, who literally made the European spot by essentially playing the same way we have, and against all odds, against the fact that they rarely spin, against the fact that like they have some of the most average, least unathletic like players in the world they are so solid defensively that they are they are still in the premier league and yeah still are probably not going to get relegated and it sucks to watch but it, it's it's like you you kind of have to pick your poison you're either going to be a really good attacking side or you're going to be a really good defensive side and the attacking side thing can blow up in your face yeah. i.e fulham fulham spent a ton of money on attacking players last year a hundred million pounds and what did it get them Nothing. West Ham spent a ton of money on attacking players, and they're still in the same position as us, giving up a ton of goals. Um, and yes, it's it's fine, but they don't. But they're, they're in the relegation zone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not great. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing to think about, um, and it, it's a weird issue, I guess, in the Premier League as of recent. And maybe it's because of you know financial fair player or whatever. But, I mean, it's something that's worth noting is that, like, it seems like in the Premier League you either are really solid defensively or you just find, or you're, like, a very good attacking team and there's kind of no in-between. And I, Arsenal fans complain about their lack of defense. Uh, Manchester City fans complain that they don't have a good center back. And Newcastle fans complain about the fact that our strikers don't score goals. That's just how the Premier League is. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing that to take and we, we kind of touched this is about where we are in the table so right now mm-hmm. it's 12th but no one else is really doing anything to separate themselves from us so at the same point of like uh are we really good enough to be in 10th or tied on points for 10th well like somebody else separate from us then like we're we're playing the way that we're playing i mean you look at you look at our results and in, in our Last five matches, we have one loss. Uh, Burnley has two. Arsenal doesn't have any, but they have four draws in their last five matches. Like Everton has one loss. Um, Southampton has two. Like it's just like everybody's kind of right there, and everybody's still like measly picking up points. But all the clubs around us are still like only losing two out of every five or one out of every five. Like nobody's actually stepping up and, and taking advantage of like 
Newcastle getting a bunch of draws or playing like if if we if we didn't after twenty five games, which we're is what we're at now in the league, like it it we're pretty much evened out to where or how good this team is. Like we're the twelfth mm-hmm. best team in the Premier League. Yeah. Or in England. Like and that's what we are. And yeah, we could end up being tenth best in the Premier League. Um, we could going down to fourteenth, but we're right in that ballpark. And like you can say, Oh, they don't deserve it by the base of the way they play. Well then beat us. Like yeah. s- score more goals than we do. <laughs> like it's not it's not that much of a challenge. Some teams have figured it out. We have a minus twelve goal difference for a reason, but you take away seven of those twelve goals are against Leicester. <laughs> We're at minus five right now. So Yeah. Uh it's it's really like you know, you can kinda go both ways on this, but like that's a lot of the reason too, is simply like this nobody else is good enough here. Yeah. Also just don't suck, Everton. Like yeah. don't don't blow away two goal leads. Yeah, like, fun, there's fun there's stat. things that Newcastle. Well, yeah. we just blew a two goal lead against League One. Yeah, today. I know it's true, but <laughs> ours ours was complete BS. Theirs was just a lack of just paying attention. Like that was that was even. I think their two goal is definitely worse than ours. I mean, obviously the talent thing with ours makes it really bad, but like just the fact that they they were in the 91st minute with a two goal lead and somehow dropped two points is still just baffling because it is almost entirely just a lack of focus for them, which is yeah. just wild. A fun fun thing I just I just looked up because um, I have the table in front of me. There's only three three of the 20 teams have lost three or more games from their last five, and it's Manchester United, Burnmouth, and West Ham. Every other mm. team has at least gotten a point in, in three of their f- last five games. Or, sorry, has at least gotten points in three of the last five games. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, every, a lot of teams are picking up, like, little nicks and knacks here and there, and that's the same thing Newcastle's doing. Um, cool. Elijah, you have a question. Actually, yeah, um, let's take a break and then go to your Yeah, question. we take a break. All right, let's do that. Right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, now your long awaited, much anticipated question, Elijah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Today, news broke, um, courtesy of Roker Report. Um, don't read their site. It's it's a Sunderland site. Um, that Sunderland is apparently back on the market um, for people who haven't been watching the hilarious, the, the, the comedy um, on Netflix about Sunderland. Is it, what's it called? Sunderland Till I Die? Yeah. That, yeah. It, they've had some ownership issues since... They had a new owner, and the, their owner sold the club, all that kind of stuff. So now the club is being sold again, and it is being sold at reportedly forty million pounds. So, Greg, what is the better investment, Joelinton or Sunderland? Hmm. 
Um, it's definitely Jolinton. Yeah. Because if you spent 40 mil on Jolinton, it gets you out of League One, then your club's worth more. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Also, like, it's, 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 um, you can, it's, a, it could be a depreciating asset, but, like, Joel Linton, but, like, with Sunderland, you have to continue to invest afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, Definitely. you just, you, you have to still invest, which sucks. With Joel Linton, like, you kind of bought him, and, like, this is what you get, and, like, you know, you'd be lucky to get insert amount for him. Maybe you get less from him. Maybe you get more from, but it's forty million pounds that you've already spent with Sunderland. It's forty million pounds, and then you got you go to the stadium light, and you're like, "Why are all the seats falling apart?" Like, and then you go to your team sheet, and you're like, "Well, why do we have some guy from the National League as our starting center back?" And then you're like, "Well," then you go to your coach, and you're like, "Well, why do we have an actual duck coaching our team? Like, why didn't we hire a human?" Like, you have to go invest and do work in order to make Sunderland a viable option. They also suck and it's Sunderland. And then you have to like go visit Sunderland, which is a terrible place. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the cool thing is like they'll, they'll get to sell their players on the fact that their players could still live in Newcastle, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. Shout out to Newcastle who that graphic that went around, we didn't talk about this cause we hadn't signed Danny Rose yet. But the graphic that was going around at the end of last week of like all the Newcastle players that we'd signed that had been on loan to Sunderland was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bet they're it, so pissed. That, like, and the graphic the players... going around about the fake quote that Danny Rose said too. A lot of people fell for that. Yeah. Yep. People fell for that. Cool. Well, Elijah, do you have anything else on this one? No, I'm, I mean, this was a, a, a nice little discussion. I'm excited to get more of these. Um, I mean, maybe in the future we might do these discussions with some guests. Yeah. It's a tease. It's a tease. It's a tease. If you don't know what a tease is, you're probably a virgin. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes episode 117 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. That's the best damn coast in the land. Elijah Newsom and Hawaii the Lads. Love you. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again. I'll pray for Dark, it's in James's park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're body And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away 
and kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home. Then I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fennec's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. The Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the darkness in James's Park at the Gallagher Den in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the darkest in James's Park